mi gente, welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. This is your host, Natalie Sofia, and this community was born from the need to create a space for Peruvian immigrants to come together, to support each other, to learn from each other, and to document our stories. The stories our guests share with us are deeply personal and paint a new portrait of what it means to be a Peruvian immigrant. I hope you receive these stories with an open heart and an open mind. So let's get started. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. Welcome, Adrian, to Peruvians of USA. We're really excited to have you here today. I know you have an amazing story, and I think a story that needs to be shared with our audience, a story that it's, it's not told enough. Some of us are not as familiar with an adoptee story. So this is why I'm so excited to have you here. So, uh, Adrian, please briefly introduce yourself. Uh, hi, my name is Adrian Vinecor. I am a Peruvian transracial uh, international adoptee. I live in Montreal, Canada, Quebec. Um, so I've been, I think, like six hours from New York City, something like that. Um, I was raised here my whole life since I since I left Peru when I was an infant. Um, at the age of not even at the age at at like three months old, I was born in August and. I was brought over here in December. I stayed three months in Peru, once I was born, because I was uh, under 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 nutrition, nutrition. I think the word is yeah, like malnourished. So, you were malnourished. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I pretty much had to get fattened up there before I could like legally leave Peru. Uh, uh, my mom stayed with me. My adopted mom stayed with me for, um, for three months, and uh, then he came over here and. Just for everybody to know too, like I also have an adopted sister from China. And, uh, and, uh, so my parents first, they went to Peru to adopt me. And then my dad got a call um, from when they were both in Peru and there, and it was, I guess the Canadian government or whatever, the adoptee agency. And they're like, Hey, like we have a, a girl for you in China. Like she's ready to get like adopted. So my dad flew back from Peru to Canada, to Canada to China. And then my mom stayed with me and, um, from there, we all met like as a, I guess a family unit or whatever, um, in December all in Canada. Wow. So are you and your sister, your adopted sister about the same age then? Yeah, we're like really close. We're like, she's older by two months, but right. she's like my bigger sister. But I mean, hey, we're still the same age. Wow. So your, your adopted parents had like two infants at the same time. Then. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. And like, I mean, we're both like. Like when we were younger, like we, we, we look like, like natural siblings, like I'll show you pictures later or something. And you'll be like, wow, like you guys like really match. Um, wow. Yeah. 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 So tell us, how did your family or how did your family introduce the conversation of adoption with you? Like at what age and what do you know about um, your, your biological family? Okay. So, um, I think like my parents were really, really open with adoption and like letting us know that like we were adopted because we also too, like I, we, we, I grew up in a small town in a small, in a small town, but like with a big community because my parents were really well known because we used to own a general store. Um, entonces, um, everybody knew my parents and things and like knew like that they adopted two kids. So, um, I think, I don't know if I, like, as far as I remember, I don't think neither of us ever asked like question of like are we adopted or something because i think it just was naturally set in us that like they would be like hey like you're from peru hey like you're from china and plus two um 
when they came back from Peru, they, uh, they brought back like a, a mochila with a bunch of like hand fluids and like llama rugs and like pinturas, cosas así. So, I mean, I've, I've always had that with me. Um, I still have it to this day, of course. And, uh, they would like show me it and be like, you're from here. And, and I had this like big, big, big poster of Machu Picchu that I hung up in my room since I was a little kid. And, um, also to, um, uh, what else? Oh, they, they gave me like my grandmother, uh, my, my mom's mom, he gave me like books about like the Incas and, and so did my parents here. Like they gave me like books about like through like the Incas and things like picture books and they're like still there with some words. So I always had those references since I, I can remember since I was like four or five years old. Your parents, uh, your adopted parents, Spanish speaking? Uh, my dad speaks a little bit. My mom, a little, little bit because she's been back to Peru actually with me. Okay. Uh, not my first time. I think she came like my fourth time. She pretty much came to like back to see it and things after I think maybe 25 or 24 years. Okay. And also too, like I was there for three months back in 2014 for like all of, from like the middle of July, middle of June till the end of September. Mm -hmm. So I was living there and exploring, of course, and going mm -hmm. What would you say has been the, the hardest thing about being an adoptee? Me? I think the hardest thing is of, of being adopted in general from whatever country. I think the hardest thing is probably to understand where you're from, where you fit in, and also to, to make sense of like everything, you know, like what happened, why, and, and just, I guess, like all those questions you have in your head. And, and then also to finally, um, come to terms with them and, um, also to find a place where you feel centered, you know, because I think a lot of uh, adoptees, uh, of course, like we feel lost and things like that. And, and that we don't also have like an identity in a way because we don't really belong in, let's say the States or Canada, but then also, um, in like wherever they're from, Peru, Colombia, whatever country. But I think it's also really important that as, if you do go back to your first culture, uh, where you were born and things, and it, it is great. But also to, to just find that like middle spot, that sweet spot. And I think everybody's is different and everybody, and, um, it, it means different things for different adoptees. I, I feel that now, since I've been back to Peru a lot of times and my life here and things, things like that, I feel like kind of found my sweet spot because I'm kind of in the center of like Peru. I'm really cool with it and things. And I love it there, but I also love here. So you mentioned like coming to trans with what happened, right? Are you, are you able to share with us a little bit of your origin story? So I was born in Huancayo, Peru, and, and my parents here actually met my birth parent, my birth parents in Peru. I have like pictures of like all four of them together and things like that, which I carry really close to me. Um, and, and, uh, so like the adoption, I guess you could say was really hands-on, you know, I've looked at documents lately and things like that and, and stuff. And pretty much like my, from what I know is that like my birth parents will like I was born in 1991 so you know at the time in Peru was really not great the politics and everything and I do know that my mom and things she uh, didn't have the necessary like resources to feed me and things like that and plus everything was going on so it was really tough pretty much they they, they willingly put me out uh, willingly put me up for adoption because they knew they they just couldn't keep me because of their economic situation when you learn the story, you know, it's like your parents coming from Wangayo. And by the way, my dad is from Wangayo and I know Wangayo, so I Amazing. love Wangayo. 
Está amazing. Y es especialmente en like, Pachamanca. Sí, sí, sí. sí, sí. <laughs> so, um, um, how did you process that? I think little by little, I'm still processing some things. Um, I think it's a lifelong thing, maybe process for just adoptees in general. I'm grateful that I'm here and like I live in Canada, but I'm also really, really proud that I'm from Peru and that I know Peru and that I'm from Huancayo, even though I've never been, I need to go next time I'm there. I'm really, really proud that I'm from Peru and I'm really, really like always, uh, trying to get back there and also do things in, in the community there and also in the community, like for adoptees and, um, I just try to do my best and do my part. Just be there for people, support them in, in their journey of adoption. And also to like give them hits of anything like I, I, that from my story that I can help them with. Um, because uh, I have, yes, I have, I have been in contact with my biological mom since 2010. So it, it's been like a while, you know, like 12 years. So um, a lot of things have happened since, but I mean, so it's been a while and, and I, like I met her when I, I reconnected with her and things really, really, really like out of nowhere. I wasn't even looking. It just went to the consulate here to find out about how to help people there. Guy was like, oh, are you adopted? And I said, yes. And then he's like, okay, like, do you want to meet your first friend? <laughs> I'm like, do you want to see a picture of them? And he showed me on the computer. He's like, oh, let's call them. And I was just like, uh, okay. And then uh, we called and it was like, we came up who answered. And then we like left a, left a message. We're like, oh, bueno, see, si, si hablas con X persona and like, let her know. And here's the number here, like call. And then like, I waited a week and, uh, I think after a week, um, she called my cell phone and stuff. And I don't really remember the conversation too much because I do say, and I actually thought of this the other week because I was talking with somebody they're like, you know, like they're, they're, I think the reason why you don't remember some of the talks, your first talks with your birth mom, since he reconnected with her, it was because like, because of everything, like the trauma and things like that. So like, you just go in that, that zone where, where you just, you block it off. So it's, I, I'm trying to really try to remember these days, those okay. conversations. And I really wish I could go back and just see like where my mindset was, but hey. Yeah. So you said you went to the consulate? Yeah. So how, how, do, they, how, how do they, how do they, how do they have your adoption information? Because it's all in the computer and I literally like, I mean, to start those, dame to, to licencia de conducir, dame como tu ID para que me wine. I'm like, okay. Then I just gave it to him and he like, just like looked and then he like pulled out some big book. And I remember seeing my mom here, my mom's handwriting in this book. And I think a picture of me, if I don't remember, if I remember correctly. And, oh, and then he's like on the computer, like, okay. Okay. He's like, aquí está tu mamá. And like, again, aquí está tu and I was like, uh, wow. and then that's wow. it. So was that because like you, you, there was an open adoption or, or every adoption is recorded that way? Um, usually it's because every adoption is recorded, like, um, and in, like in the system, you know, um, hopefully like you're in the system. I mean, right. I think it might be different for every adoptee if that if maybe you were from an orphanage or things like that, because then they don't really like know like who your parents are and things. Right. Um, it's like, honestly, I just applied for my DNA back in January. Yeah. And uh, I had to go back to that consulate and it was like a, a kind of uh, a woe moment because I hadn't been there since that time. So uh, I guess since 2010. 
So, I mean, I've grown, I'm older and stuff and just a lot of things will happen in my life. But in two, I was just like, wow, like Adrian, you've came so far from the, that, that moment, but also at the same time, like you're back here and for another reason it's, and it's for a good reason. It's to get your, like your DNA. So uh, that was back in January and, uh, it was really like, uh, not emotional, but just heartwarming, I guess you would yeah. say. Yeah. And did you share with your adopted parents that you had? You know, somebody at the consulate told you basically like who your birth parents were? Yes, I did. Um, well, that weekend, well, I was living in Montreal in the city at the time because I moved back uh, to the suburbs, I guess, or not even the suburbs, like up north in the, in, in, in the country. And, uh, and um, that weekend, me and my sister, we, we were going to school in the city and we would come back every weekend to my parents' house because we were teaching skiing at the time. And it was during winter, so we came back for the weekend to teach King, whatever. And I kind of was just a bit off, you know, I was just a bit reserved, more reserved than normal. And just, I guess, off. And they could tell. So they sat me down there, they're like, Adrian, like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? Or like, are you doing drugs? Like, are you drinking alcohol? Like a bunch of like silly, silly questions. And I, I, I couldn't really say like, I nothing about and then I remember like my dad kind of got it out of me. He's like, oh, like, did you find something like about your birth family? And I just like kind of like nodded my head and like started to cry because like, I just didn't know like how to say it, you know? Um, and it's like, oh, well, like, it's okay. You know, like we have like, all, we have like a bunch of pictures we wanted to give you since like you, since like you were younger, but we we're just waiting for the right moment. And also too, like he, here, here, like they are and, 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 and they, they, they went and they got, they got the pictures and they showed me and things and I was like, like, what would you want to do now? And I, I told them like, oh yeah, like she's supposed to call and, and things like that. And then they were really cool about it. And then I went back to Peru, uh, a few months later to go meet her. Um, in ML. Was that the first time you went back to Peru or you had been back? Or... No, that was my third time, I think. Oh, okay. The first time I went back was in 2006 with my dad here for three weeks over the Christmas holidays. Because I wanted to go back and I wanted to reconnect with my roots and see what it was all about. Then we went to like Cusco, Machu Picchu. I took some Spanish classes, didn't learn much. And, and then uh, I went back a second time for, I think, a week. I don't remember. Back in 2009. I don't remember if it was a week or two weeks. Anyways. And then that, after that time is when I went to the consulate because I saw like La Pobreza, La Cosa Sacina, La Selva, eh, sorry, La Sierra. And I was like, oh, like, I want to do something. I want to help these people. And that's why that was, that was why I went to the consulate because I wanted to get involved in a, in a, in a volunteer program or something. And why not? Like I left with other information mm -hmm. that changed my life. Right. Um, so one of the things you mentioned that one of the struggles is finding a place where you feel centered. Uh, have you found that place or are you still in search of that place? I think I have found that place and I think it was really, um, up to me. Um, I, because like. After that time, after the third time going to Peru, and I was like 18, 19, because the first time I went, I think I was 15 around. Um, so it was a young adult, but, um, I guess they would say like, I got like obsessed with like Peru, you know, like, like, like La Bandera, La, La Selección, um, just everything, anything like that. Like I could get my hands on the Peru, 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 Peru. And, um, I didn't really, I, I don't think I really understood what I was doing at the time. I was just like, oh yeah, I like. It, it, it just was automatic. And now that when looking back at it, I was looking for um, a connection and I was looking for a place of belonging. And I'm pretty like proud of myself for, for doing that work and 
actually finding community, yes, within the adoptive community later on in the past that year and a half, but also just finding community here uh, with, with Peruvians um, in Montreal. Um, I have like, I know a lot of the Peruvians here in Montreal. I have like one of my best friends who's Peruvian and her family, like, and they know like everything that happens with me and like my life and things like that. Um, they're, they're really good people and I close that. Um, and, um, also to just, I think that really helped just me getting involved in community here. And, uh, I think also to soccer too, you know, it, it, it brings everybody together and it definitely really, really, really helped, um, me feel more just Peruvian in general. And I think that just really helps me at centered and. Yeah. Um, community is so important. I'm happy to see that you have found community and I see the Peruvian adoptee community online as well. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's also nice to see that, um, you can connect together, but you also connect into the wider Peruvian diaspora and, um, they're yeah. different, they're different layers to be on Peruvian, right? Like some of exactly. us, some of us came when we were kids, we're also struggling with different, similar, but different identity issues, you know, some yeah. came as adults. And so it's, it's interesting to see all those layers of, uh, the diaspora, the experience of the diaspora. So like your project, it seems like you're one of the missions of your project is to help others sort of find that center that they are missing, you know, they could be missing from their, their experience. Tell us about your, your most recent project. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I'm so proud. I just, I want to, like always, I want to just give a big shout out to everybody who's in it. Um, I launched this uh, project like in January, so it's still really new. Uh, but I just want to give a shout out to all the students who are in it and things, and I'm just so proud of them. And they, they know that I always tell them that, but I mean it from my heart and, uh, I'm just, wow. Like give it, they're all, they're very dedicated. They're very motivated and they're really passionate about what they, what they want to do and where they want to go with this. So, um, in, uh, November it. Every November, it's Adopt the Awareness Month, NAM it's called. And um, I realized like this NAM because I follow a lot of people in the Adopt community online. And I realized just a lot of them, like they were just kind of struggling with finding that what we just talked about, that center place. And I was like, well, and I sort of started messaging, well, well, like, how would you feel? How, how, how can you get to that center place? Or like, how can, how can you reconnect? And they're like, well, I don't know, like, I guess maybe the language, I guess, like, I don't really know about the culture and things like that. And that's the answer I was getting from a lot of people like, oh, the language, I don't know it, the culture, I don't know it. And I was just like, like, okay, like I get it. I hundred percent get it and things, but it should stop you because, hey, like we're, we have so many resources these days. So let's use them to advantage. And I was like, hey, well, I went to school in Peru to learn Spanish. And I, every time I go back, I go back to my old school to just say hi to my old teachers and and two, they, they're a big part of my, my story and, and, uh, uh they, they've known me for 12 years, you know, they, they've known me since Chiquito. And, um, so I contacted one of my teachers then I was like, Hey, you know, you know, we've always talked about maybe doing some Spanish classes together. Well, I have this idea of doing, offering Spanish classes. At first I was like, just Peruvians, just Peruvians. But then I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a way bigger demographic with just every South American country and just, it, it, it's bigger than me. It's like, no. So uh, I started this program, which is called Latin Adoptee Program. And uh, it's for adoptees, some uh, Spanish speaking countries to um, reconnect with their roots or connect with their roots um, why, with learning Spanish. For now, it's just learning Spanish, but I do want to bring uh, cooking classes into it. 
meditation into it, breath work into it. Uh, um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, maybe some like life coach, things like that. And definitely journaling because I do know those things are really important. But then also too, to reconnect, of course, the language, but of course, like history things. And, and so it's just a bunch of tools that adoptees can use. And I mean, I do know that the mental health part is really important in, in, in the journey of an adoptee. So I do want to tackle that too a bit. So that's why I, like, I want to bring in like breath work, exercises and meditation and maybe some other things. So the idea is to have the uh, members of the adoptee community go to the country and, and take those activities there or? Um, for now, it's online. Okay. Uh, we do the classes online okay. by Zoom. Uh, I have like right now I have 13 students who are doing the Spanish course. They're, they're finishing actually next week, but they all want to continue. So they're going to continue. And then I have a new group coming in who is just going to begin Spanish. And there's um, more than 10 who are interested in the idea. So they're going to start learning Spanish. So one group is going to continue. The other group is going to come in. And for now, it's online. But yes, there is the option to... I'm still working on those those little things too because I do have, um, uh, I guess you would say, a partnership or um, something like that with uh, my old school. So... Actually, one of the students in the program is going to Peru in May, and she's hopefully going to uh, go to the school and went to and take like Spanish courses and like a bunch of like culture things like that. But yes, that is the idea, but it's just also really hard because we're also really like a bit older and we all have like lives, jobs, and relationships and kids, so it's, it's a bit harder. So that's why I was like, I need the option for them to go because that is the goal. But at the same time, like if we can't, then online is okay for now too. For now, I've only connected with my old school in Peru, but I have been in talks with uh, a school in Colombia, in uh, Medellin and Cartagena, and they like my idea and they're like, hey, like we want you to come and like just check it out and see if it's like the right school for you and what you're looking for. And I was like, yeah, sure, for sure. Like I need to do that trip too soon. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's amazing. It's an amazing way to connect with your culture. And I think you're starting great, like by starting virtual and then seeing like how it gains momentum and then you can have it be in person in the country. Um, if members of the audience want to get involved, want to learn more about it, where should they check out? Um, can contact me on my Instagram, my personal Instagram. And I think you'll yep, I'll, link. Yep, I'll link it. Yep. Okay, perfect. And then also too, um, I do have a website. It's just under construction. Um, it's just simple Latin adoptee program.com. And also too, um, the Instagram too is up since a good week or two. Uh, Latin adoptee program. Just look that up on Instagram and it should be there. It should be the only one there, hopefully. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, those are the links to it and all the information is there. And then like just DM me there and, and uh, I'll definitely give you the information. Um, like I said, we, we were, we, for now we're, we're offering Spanish courses, but little by little, I'm going to bring in uh, different tools and things like that. Um, and it's like, because I know this is like a question I've been getting often. We have like group classes, but it's just a bunch of adoptees in a certain time, whatever. And we also have a free package. So that's one of the packages. Second package is a mix of both. So it's private classes and group classes. So you get a mix of like both in case you want to work on something with like the teacher one-on-one and you don't really understand something you learned. And then the third package is just personal. So just one-on-one -on -one with the teacher private classes. And it's for 12 weeks starting um, probably at the end of March. But I mean, hey, like if you want to join and do the private uh, the private classes, by all means, contact me and like we'll figure something out because that's what's kind of why Model 2 is, you know, like 
if if that's what you want to do, well then we'll 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 figure out something to make it work. I'm not going to be like, no, you can't do it. Like, no, 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 no. Like I'm really open to figuring ways that you can train the program. Yeah, I'm super excited for you in this program. I think it can evolve to something even bigger with a lot of impact. And so I love that you are starting, that have started this program, are starting with a group, a community, you know, a small group that is going to continue to grow. In a way, it also reminds me of like the, I don't know if you would agree, but um, the I think the Birthright Israel program, um, okay. where, right, where um, I think mm-hmm. if you're like um, Jewish heritage, there's this program that um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. go to Israel. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And have this heritage experience or discovery. And I, yeah. I, 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 I think something like that for adoptees would be wonderful, right? Like where you yeah. create this whole, you, you create this whole experience for them to connect with their heritage yeah. in the country. So I'm super excited for you. Um, so Thank you like, so much. <laughs> um, so let's, let's talk about like, what advice now, you know, you're in the adoptee community. What advice do you yeah. give? Do you have for Peruvian adoptees or adoptees in general um, in trying to reconnect with the roots? Uh, um, I think the first thing is to really look at yourself and see what what you're trying to get out of this um, and you're starting the journey um, because it is hard. Um, it is hard at times. It is it is a lot of emotions that come. It is a lot of uh, work you have to do. You know, as uh, as uh, figuring figuring out things that you might not want that you might not want to know or that you're, you're just nervous to know um and like anything could happen too you know like i mean further down the line too like you could be good with your family uh your adoptive well your birth family and then one day like something could happen like and then you know you're not so close to them anymore so it just you just i think you have to just be ready for for everything you know every part i do think too that now that since i'm in community with the adoption community we talk a lot like uh, about the different books we read for one yeah, i could say one book the primal wound uh, and then also too uh, i think too that community really helps because we all feel the same way even if like our stories are different we all are adopted we all connect i've met some amazing people just being in community with adoptees like us yes peru but then also just in general and some of them have became like really close to me so i really like I really like that feeling and also to, you know, if, if you're, if you're feeling nervous or, or scared to start your journey of like finding your, your birth family or whatever, it's normal, you know, and you, you just have to go through the emotions and they'll, they'll come, but, but Hey, like, we're here for you. We're here for you online. We know how it is. Some of us have like, found don't know, are, are in reunion, some of us aren't, but at the same time, like the bottom line is we're all adopted because we all feel a certain way and we all understand. How you're feeling? We're just all, all all here for you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that advice. What about an advice for couples or individuals who are thinking about adopting, particularly somebody who's not of their culture? That's a really good question. I think if you're looking to adopt, you should really do the research and understand what depending well, not even depending age, but just I think that the, that you have to like really understand what your child who you're adopting is is going through also too you know because i think back in the day like a lot of us pretty much we were just okay like you're adopted okay here's a new family cool thanks bye and that's it like that's all the government was doing you know but they weren't really ever checking up on the families or or, or stuff like that and 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 you know it's, it's it's like okay well like how do you know like this family's treating me well how do you know 
and, and you know, like that, that, that definitely needs to change. And that like, I know like there have been talks, um, I need to get maybe a bit more involved in this, but there have been talks of like, you know, like having programs, especially designed for people, for parents who are going to adopt to make sure, you know, that like they're, they're mentally like fit and things like that. And I think it's really important and it is a really good idea because yes, like you don't know what, you know, I mean, these parents could be like the good and whatever, but who knows like what they really are like. So I think it, programs for the parents who are adopting are really necessary and also too for the government to kind of take action and just change, change the, the, the way adoption works on both sides, you know, for the adoptee, for like, for us, cause we like have like trauma and abandonment issues, things like that. And like, nobody tells us these things when we were growing up, we pretty much have to discover them. And like, I have to discover them. I was like, oh, that's why I'm like this. Oh, that's why I'm like that. And I mean, yes, of course, meeting helps, being in community helps, but I mean, I do wish somebody was there to like, be like, Hey, like these are the reasons why you're like this when I was younger. I mean, I am, I am doing the work now. I'm in therapy, but at the same time, I do wish that it was younger that I knew. And especially too, on the parent side of just being like, Hey, like this is what's going to happen to your kid. And like, you'd be there, but you also have to do work too, you know, and understand how he's feeling or they're feeling and, uh, and like let them do the process if they want to find out more about the birth country and go back and things because I do know that some families, they didn't, they haven't let their child go back right. to their birth country. And that's, that's like a big no for me, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, the themes that I'm thinking about as you're sharing your, your story is that, um, the question of identity and belonging is incredibly yeah big and an adoptive story. I think it's big for everybody. Everybody struggles with identity and belonging at some point, but it's just much more complex um, yeah. for an adoptive story because like it, like being adopted and even being in a good family, a welcoming family does not guarantee a sense of belonging, does not guarantee that you automatically have a really strong sense of identity. And so I think for folks, couples or individuals who are thinking of adopting, like you have to have that front and center about your child like, how are they going to develop that sense of identity? How are they going to develop a sense of belonging, not just with the family, but with the broader community, right? And so I never really thought about it that way. And I think you sharing your story has helped me put that into perspective, which I thank you for. So, yeah, I, I never thought about it that way. But I think I think that's what I hear if if you think yes. it's right. <laughs> yes, no, a thousand percent. And like, I even myself need to get more uh, involved on that aspect too of just like getting more involved in like, change on that, that system of just the parent side and then just like the adoptee side too, you know, like, I mean, I'm doing my part in like my program, but then like, yes, I do want to tap into that, that side of just becoming an advocate and like giving speeches and stuff about just adoptees and like the trauma we face and, and just like the parents like too and like tools like that. Like that's really, really a big, like importance to me and something I also am working on to like get more awareness of for sure. Yeah. And, um, the other, the other theme that I guess was coming up for me as you shared your story was also that, um, so I recently became a new mom, right? So I have a baby girl mm -hmm. and one of the things you learn through the birth, birth classes and newborn classes is that the baby, um, does not know that it's no longer attached to its mother. And yeah. there's this, like st the baby still thinks they're one. And so I can only imagine the uh, trauma that an infant goes through when yes. they're separated from their birth mother because exactly. for, for for nine or 40 weeks, they were one individual. And so I don't think enough people think about that. Um, yeah. I think, that, you know, they're like, oh, well, the baby's fed and the baby is being loved. 
but it's not, it's just, it needs its mother. It's, you know, and so yeah. you know, his or her mother or their mother, you know, so um, as a new mom, I'm, I'm starting to also like think about it from an infant's perspective because I see my, my baby grow and like I try to spend as much time as I can with her, so. Congratulations on becoming a new mom and yes, you're totally right. I mean, it does play a big role in, in the abandonment issues, the trauma issues that adopt, that adopt these space on a daily basis. And, and I mean, for me, um, um, I think I, I think I've always knew, known that. Like, I, I mean, I'm not like a nervous person, but I do have like those times where like I worry a bit. Uh, when I was younger, I would like just I, I'd feel it in my body, and I would be like, "Where, where is this coming from? Like, what is this?" And now that I'm older, I'm like, "Oh, that's where it's coming from." And I've always felt that way too. I've always felt that way that like the reason why sometimes I'm nervous and things like that is, or like feel like a, I guess you would say maybe like nervousness, like abandonment and things like that is exactly what you just explained. Like, I, I've just always thought that way. I've been like, oh yeah, like I was adopted and, and, and I was like in my mom and like then to like everything that was going on, like from the whole adoption thing and being separated, but then also too with everything that was going on in Peru and like probably how my mom felt of like, like worried if she was going to eat and all this stuff. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm more than certain I've always felt, thought this, that it just like, came into my body and that's, I've always thought that I've always, since I was 18, something about like, oh yeah, like that's, this is why I'm like that. And I never had any proof, but then like coming into community and things were like, oh yeah, like, well, like this is why and this, I'm like, I knew it. So, yeah. Yeah. It, mothers transfer knowledge gen through their genetics through, through, you yeah. know, and so, and through just like the babies and the environment of the mom and the womb. And so a lot yeah. of things get transferred. And I think. And I, that's something I have also heard, you know, when I was pregnant with my baby, my mom would tell me, that, you know, she's like, you have to stay calm and you try to, you know, yeah. try, to, try to control your emotions because it, she would say like anything you're feeling, any anxiety or, or fears, you're going to, you know, transfer it to the baby. And so it's, I don't know if there's any science behind it. I haven't read it, but it's definitely something um, among my family and, and Peru I have yeah. heard from the woman. And then the other thing that jumped at me as you were sharing your story is that, um, that for adoptees, they're. There could be this fear of reconnecting with the family again. Um, and I think you mentioned like that uh, kind of to be open to that relationship possibly changing. And I can only imagine that if you connect with your uh, birth family and something happens and then you have to break that tie again, you can only be like, it's like being at the bandit again, you know, and, and it, yeah. it's a heartbreak. Um, I am not an adoptee, but my experience, like I, my mom came to the U.S. before I did. So she ended up leaving me behind okay. with my grandmother. I was around eight years old at the time and watching my mom leave was the biggest like heartbreak I had. And That's so nice. I can't imagine, like I, I, I'm trying to, I guess the reason I'm sharing is because I'm trying to paint a picture for the audience of how yeah. how big this is. This is not a small thing. Yeah. This is, this is a, no. big, a big thing that stays within your body, it stays within your nervous yeah. system. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, what you just said uh, was unfortunately, um, for now, uh, unfortunately, what like pretty much happened to me. So that's why I also try to, um, I mean, my story is a bit complex, but I, I'm, and I'm, I'm definitely happy that I, I have met my mom and things like that. But I also just try to get, give awareness to the other like adoptees in general, too, that like, it, I'm, I'm really happy you guys are in reunion and things like this. And, but just also just being mindful that like things could, could happen where later down the line, that like you guys don't talk anyway more because of X reason or something like that. And you know, it's unfortunate, but I mean, what can you do sometimes, right? It's just how life is sometimes, but yeah, you just gotta be thankful. 
Yeah, and and everybody has their own trauma and their own healing journey to go through. Uh, yeah, you know. So, all right. So as we wrap up the conversation, what is the one message you want the audience to take away from this conversation? It's uh, a good question. I think what I would like the audience to take away from our conversation is that um, I think in general, about the year or not, you uh, always like learn, live and grow, you know, and figure out like who you are and also just figure out your center. And I think that's really important. And that's something I've been really working on the past year and a bit, um, even more than normal. And I think that, and I just think also too that and just be aware of things and just to uh, explore, you know, don't, don't, I know it's something sometimes hard for an adoptee to, to take that first step of, of uh, reconnection or connecting with their, their, their culture and like Spanish classes or this or that, and it's really scary, but Hey, like, we're here for you. We, we're here for you. Like a thousand percent, like I'm here for all of my, like the people in the program, for example, a thousand percent, they all know that they can talk to me one-on-one -on -one and like, it, it's. It's just a nice feeling, but then I also like know that um, they need to, uh, if they have something they need to tell me or whatever they're feeling is a certain way that I, that I can be like there to understand them and, uh, and give them advice and things like that. And, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Adrian, for sharing your story with us. I know that members of our audience will identify with some of your story and have learned a lot and have a better understanding of what this experience is like. And hopefully the rest of us uh, in the diaspora can embrace you and give you a big hug and say, like, you're still, oh. or you're compa, you know, compatriota. So uh, you will, will always be Peruvian wherever you go, no matter what. Siempre. So, muchas gracias, Nancy. Muchas gracias a ti. Y lo que tú estás haciendo también en tu podcast, en tu página, está como amazing. Así que no paras, no paras y sigue, sigue, sigue. Gracias, gracias, sigue. Just wanted to take a break here to share that Peruvians of USA now has an online store. Help us spread the message that El Mejor Amigo de Un Peruano es Otro Peruano by visiting our online store. We also have feminine versions that said La Mejor Amiga de Una Peruana es Otra Peruana or gender neutral versions. This could be the perfect gift for a Peruvian in your life. Visit the link on the episode notes or link in bio. All right, back to the episode. Are you a small business looking to expand your digital footprint? Are you a small business looking to reach more of the Peruvian diaspora in the United States? Consider sponsoring an episode of Peruvians of USA. Peruvians of USA has launched its first sponsorship program. If you're interested, please visit peruviansofusa.com slash sponsors or send us a message on Instagram. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.